0: you're listening to The Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from The Coaches Panel. I hope you're well and yeah, your fantasy footy season for 2023. Let's be honest, it started and commenced the moment Geelong won the grand final. This is our first episode of the preseason talking about everything you need to know heading into a brand new year. We'll talk about the positions, we'll talk about the fixture. These have all just come out within the past week and of course your questions that have jumped in early we want to be able to take some time and answer those joining me on this episode as you will right throughout the entirety of the 2023
1: season i've got louis hello mate how are you good mate feels like the first day of pre-season today i can smell the sunscreen the sun's beaming a little bit nervous on what what's going to transpire over the next couple of months and obviously the 2023 season but uh it's great to be sitting here recording with you once again mj
0: uh, it's good to have you back on deck again in 2023 and then someone that had an incredible fantasy footy season in 2022. I think he was a uh, finished second in dream team, like top 30 or 40 in AFL fantasy and and then one of those annoying people that had just a great format in Supercoach, like he, he aced every season. He's a new member to the team, you're going to get to know him, it is Mini Monk. Hello mate, how are you?
2: good thanks uh keen to be here and keen to have a chat about the pre-season stuff I feel i've got some insight that i can bring to the team and hopefully enjoy the ride
0: yeah no it's going to be great to have him on it does sound like he's at the philipon race course at the moment but that's okay we, we, we're going to look after mini monk in 2023 all right ladies, let's jump to probably the biggest piece of the puzzle that has landed for us in our fantasy preparations for 2023. And that is the positions have officially been revealed as yet. The prices are now going to get added across the formats, but whether you play AFL fantasy, super coach, or dream team, these are all the same starting positions that you will deal with. There's an article up at coachespanel.tv where it looks through some of the big players. We talk through the draftees on there. Plus ultimate footy coaches. If you play in that format of drafting, These are your baseline, although expect Ultimate Footy to add a couple, maybe a dozen or so players that a single position should pick up a DPP. We'll release that for you in mid-January. Look, lads, maybe we should start in the back line, and Louis, maybe we'll start with you. There's a couple of big names that have gained the defensive position for us, that being Geelong's Mitch Duncan he played there all year but he was already a mid forward so he couldn't pick it up he's a defender now for us then probably the other two most relevant new gains Andrew McGrath is a defender mid and Elliot Yo is a pure defender there's some others that we'll talk about in a second but talk to me about those three Louis so Andrew McGrath Elliot, Yo, Mitch Duncan will all be priced in different perspectives, but all equally could be quite important players for us in 2023.
1: Oh, absolutely, mate. And I suppose we'll start with um, Mitch Duncan, who is even more relevant than what he probably was a couple of days ago based on uh, what we've found out regarding this fixture. Mm. Uh, And it's certainly the buy the buy period in the middle of the year. Uh, He's he's a player that's always been super relevant across all the formats for what the best part of a decade now. Um, What we know is he's very capable scorer. He loves marking. He loves kicking. He plays in a team that uh, maybe not as much last year, but certainly over also the past decade have lended themselves to that style of gameplay. the only thing that's ever really held him back in the past has been his ability to, uh, well, he gets on the park, but yeah. he, he, he's probably one of those players where we think he misses more games than what he does, but he is a player that does tend to miss them here and there, which can really hurt you. Um, But with his new added defender status uh, and with the bar being set for defenders at about sort of 90 to 95, where you're happy at D6, Mm. um, there's no denying that Mitch Duncan's probably going to be um, one of the top couple of of defenders that we're going to have this year and certainly worth um, tracking the preseason um so that's probably enough on mitch duncan we all not know what he's capable of um elliot yo is an interesting one so we haven't had him as a defender for it's been a minute part of five years now and that would have been back when he was averaging that 100 105 Mm. uh and he's a player that has shown an ability to score in the past uh we know what he's like with his kicking uh, he's not the best ball user, but he does love to throw it on the boot. And Of course, mm. he does love a hug and a tackle as well. So um, he's somebody I think we're going to be talking about uh, quite a bit this preseason. He comes in discounted, obviously, because he was injured uh, most of last year. And yeah. let's be honest, he's probably been injured most of the last three years, which is That's why um, he is such an interesting pick, because we know what he's capable of, but we know um the downside of him as well, but with that defender status, um, super relevant for us. Uh, if he can stay on the park and he can show something um, in the preseason and have a midfield role, which you would suggest that he probably would, um, given that the Eagles' midfield is starting to look a little bit thin, mm-hmm. uh, he's a player that uh, we're going to have to watch super carefully. Uh, and and finally, so what was the um, Andrew McGrath? Andrew McGrath, yeah. So he's a little bit of a tease. He's always been a guy who has been able to put up big scores. But uh, come the end of the year, he always seems to average between sort of 80 and 90. And he can go on a nice six-week stint, but then he can also let you down. But um, Andrew McGrath is probably a player who's never really settled in one position. The Bombers have been around year to year. Uh, and the early word this preseason is that he might be making a move to half back, where we have seen players like Dyson Heppel be able to score um, really quite heavily and go on periods of scoring where they go 100 plus week after week. And uh, Andrew McGray is a hard worker. He loves kick mark football. And mm-hmm. uh, he is one of those players that will circle around for a 1 2 uh, when he can get it. So I think he's somebody who. He comes in price at about 80 uh, from memory, MJ. Yeah, Uh, an AFL fantasy and dream team, yep. He's definitely someone we're going to have to watch uh, whether or not he's playing that quarterback role because he's somebody who could have, you know, 10, 15, potentially even 20 points upside if he does have that permanent role, um, being the quarterback, halfback, maybe even taking kick-ins potentially as well. Yeah, that's true. uh, The young leader that he is at the Bombers. So um he he will be interesting and probably more so as well because he does have that new coach this year too and brad scott so um how he wants to deploy him and use him could really be uh, a big kick up the bum for andrew mcgrath's (laughs) uh fantasy prospects and maybe he can break through from that 85 guy to to being a 95 plus guy
0: and and i think if you are starting andrew mcgrath that's got to be the narrative you hold yourself, even though we've lost some really important names and Minnie Monk's going to talk through us through some of these guys that have lost defensive status and their potential relevance for us in 2023 in a minute. But that's got to be the narrative that despite what we've lost, we've still got some really top-end defensive options. You really are expecting Andrew McCrada to pop. Otherwise, he's just going to float around and be, I think that word tease is the nice terminology for him weeks, month, he might pop for you. And then others, you're like, man, I could have been better fielding a cow. So I think I have some good reflections from you, um, Mini Mike Let's talk about a couple of the guys that have picked up, well, a new status because they've lost defensive eligibility. That predominant three that we're talking about is Lockie Whitfield, Jack Crisp, and Jaden Short. Now all could regain defensive eligibility, uh, at various points of the year, heading into round 6, 12 and 18. But what's your take on the relevance of these three boys? And we'll come back to the defence in a second. But all these guys mid only, are these still guys we could consider in 2023?
2: I think you have to really temper your expectations because if, you, if you're picking a defender who has only got mid status... They have to be able to be push. Have to be able to push that one hundred to one hundred and five marker through that first six weeks. Otherwise, so, it's just giving away too much value. Um, and the one of those three that I think could push it if he moves back to the halfback role is is short. They mm-hmm. in Taranto. They've bought in Toronto. They've bought in Hopper. Perryman, I think it was.
0: Yeah, Hopper is yeah. bought in as well. Hopper, yeah. Hopper over the preseason,
2: and so the, the, the talk from the Tigers is that he's going to move back to the halfback role, and we saw what he could do in the first six weeks. Of this year he pushed 100 to 105. He was up at what D1 D2 with Sam Doherty. yep he could probably match that bar that you would need. I'm left, I'm less confident in players like Whitfield and, and Chris being able to push that barrier. Uh, Whitfield, you've got the new coach, you don't know what role he's going to be playing, could be coming off half forward and pushing into the midfield like he's done the past, could be stuff on a wing. And Chris, there's just a lot of uncertainty going around with the the pie system and whether he will stay inside mid or whether he will go back to a rotation between halfback and, and midfielding. And he's also shown a bit more inconsistency compared to the other two. So yeah, of the three, I think Short is the one I would consider, but I think there would have to be a lot of, I guess, science in order to pick him. He's not one yeah. that I would be putting into my early drafts
0: yeah I think it's it's different in form you know in the formats that you play with the value that they kind of have but I'm always hesitant to to select a player in classic on the expectation that you'll be able to get them in a new position later down so you're right if you're picking short as let's use AFL fantasy as that kind of marker okay he's around that 9095 price range well now you're selecting him alongside like a Caleb sarong type um where it's can he match it with sarong because they're at comparable prices and in similar zones so even though you might get lucky and be able to flip him back after five or six weeks the the reality is you've got to be able to pick these guys in where they are not where they might be and so that becomes the initial starting squad challenge
2: yeah exactly exactly that being said short is probably the 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 one of the three that is most likely to pick up the defender status Mm -hmm. at round six if if the narrative is true Correct, um, But yeah, you can't bank on that. Maybe in draft you can, but but certainly not in the classic team.
0: Yeah, definitely. Look, some other defenders that we've been able to retain, either because they have just stayed on as defenders or um, they gained it during last year and have held it through, that being Brandon Ellis, Harry Himmelberg, Nick Dacos, Angus Brayshaw. We've also retained Dawson, Sinclair, Kitty Coleman and Dan Rioli, although of those four... They've all lost um, DPP. They're all just pure and single defenders. Dawson surprised me a little bit. I thought he might have defender mid through there. Of those names, Louis, there's a bunch of them there. Ellis, Himmelberg, Dacos, Brayshaw, Dawson, Sinclair, Coleman, and Rioli. Any of those really leap out to you as, all right, they're high on the watch list, if not genuine starting squad options? Or are you waiting to see the prices before you start mirroring into or getting married to a structure?
1: Oh, look, we'll certainly have to look at the prices and see where they sort of fall. Uh, Jordan Dawson uh, is going to be super interesting. We saw that uh, there was a bit of caginess over starting him last year, and mm-hmm. um, that was warranted as well because he did have that interrupted preseason. I think he uh, pretty much played... Not, I don't think he played a single preseason game and then did actually come into the side and hit the ground running. Uh, it turned out that he was pretty much a top six defender last year. Uh, The attention never really came and you would expect that it will eventually. So that's something Mm. to be cautious about. But um, if we're removing all that and just looking at it for what it is, um, Jordan Dawson, um, as well as Jack Sinclair, is probably one of the more relevant names in that list that have retained it and that can potentially back it up again. Uh, Jack Sinclair will be interesting whether or not Mm. he does keep that exact same role, uh, obviously, Ross Lyons coming in, uh, taking over from uh, Brett Ratton. Um, is he going to play the same role? We did see that he was a player that uh, even though he did score um, heavily at halfback, he was used through the midfield at times as well, where admittedly he was able to score, but um, sometimes flexibility in our fantasy plays isn't what we want to see because if they're <laughs> constantly being thrown around the ground, they can't always get that consistent form, that consistent... Uh, ability to find the footy. So um, I, I would be saying that those two will be ones um, who will be right up there, super relevant and have the potential to be uh, in the top couple of defenders.
0: Yeah, it's a good shout. And, and mini month, like Louis brings up this great point, doesn't he, around new coaches, new structures, new systems. We've got a real significant group of AFL teams and fantasy relevant players that are walking in under a lot of unknowns this preseason.
2: Oh, absolutely. And going back to the list that you gave just before, the one that screens out to Mm -hmm. me is is Himmelberg. I mean, he's coming in with a new coach. He's shown that in the defender role that he had towards the second half of the year, that he could push 105, 110 and match it with the top six defenders and top six forwards for that matter. And he's coming in with that defender forward status, which is just so much flexibility in a starting squad. So if, if he's playing off, half back to start the season at priced at around about eighty to eighty five across the formats. I mean, that just screams absolute value to me.
0: Yeah, look, it's true. And and we'll talk about value in a moment, especially when we look at our forward lines and how potentially not just top heavy, but value yeah. heavy we are. But minimum that's one of the key success, isn't it? Is getting these guys that are actually hundred performers or one oh five or one ten or one fifteen performers top of their tier but are at a comparable price in comparison to what they're priced at.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You've got to be able to pick the players that have the scoring potential and then also have the value to be able to you know, extract as much out of the salary cap that you have. Like you've only got a limited amount of money to work with. You've got to be able to pick the same number of players as everyone. You want to be able to pick the players that are going to score the most amount of points. It's the name of the game. You've just got to find the value wherever you can.
0: Yeah, no, it's fair enough too. Look, Brad Hill's an interesting one, probably for drafts, has that um, defender forward status that Mini Monk alluded to there for Himmelberg. If if Hill's up on the wing and at Fremantle, he probably had his best fantasy season at Fremantle on the wing. So that might be a, a little bit of a late slider to consider there. Jack Bowes, if you can crack that Geelong side as a defender, has certainly got history of being a fantasy performer there's a bunch of other options there, but there are some of the names. Let's move into the midfield, Louis. And we've already talked about some midfielders that are now no longer defensive eligible in Chris Short and Whitfield, but arguably, and Pendlebury is another one of those that, that's lost that status. But Louis, there's some big forwards from last year that have lost some important forward status for us this year. That being, Marcus Bontempelli, Bailey Smith, Luke Parker, Tom Liberatore. They all gained it during the year, while also ones we had to start Trelaw, Will Brody, and Jordan DeGowy. That, while the forwards aren't as bad as we thought they might be, that's still a lot of big names that have departed the forward lines, Louis, and are now midfield only.
1: Yeah, it is. And it's what's interesting is four of those are actually dogs. So it goes to show. Mm-hmm. Um, what a flexible team Bevo does like to run. Uh, so, obviously, Baz, Bont, liver and trelaw losing it isn't isn't uh, isn't a massive surprise. I think Baz was extremely close. But, mm. you know, these are players who um, do play a lot of forward. They do play a lot of mid. And then all over the ground in general as well. So, everything sort of gets watered down a little bit, which is why we are looking at them as pretty much pure mids now. Uh, Parker obviously lo- Loses that status. Um, he was pretty much a full-time midfielder coming home last year. And Jordan degoey may be a little bit surprising. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how relevant he is next year. There's uh, constantly talk about what he's able to do, what he's capable to do, what position he's going to play. Uh, there has been some snags in the road. Uh, not not yeah. just off the field, but in terms of just getting his body right and injuries and all that sort of stuff, adapting to a new coach with Craig McRae last year. Um, so even though we have lost that list, which is a very, very uh, <laughs> capable list, uh, we do actually have a lot of super relevant forwards um, who are taking over from them as well, which, uh, which is going to prove very interesting. And uh, I know uh, speaking before we started hitting record, uh, Mini Monk was pretty keen on a couple Mm. of these big forwards that we've got coming up this season.
0: oh, And there's some big ones. And, And before we do get to the forwards, we're going to talk about some rucks in a second. But there's some valuable potential breakout guys that I think people heading into the season would have been going, right, if these guys can retain their DPP... I might really consider them as you know breakout or really big stepping stones. I'm looking at guys like Max Holmes, who stood on home last year as a mid forward. He's now a mid only. Harry Perryman scored really, really well. Played a lot of different positions last year. He's mid only. Lockie Ash, people I know were hoping he might retain defensive status. He's mid only. Elijah Hollands started to showcase that fantasy pedigree and why he was so highly rated. In his junior year, and even to a lesser extent, guys like a Lockie Hunter, or even a Will Phillips at North Melbourne, these are guys we all were looking at, going, "Yeah, we're going to get some supreme value here." And DPPs breakouts. Now they're all just mids only.
2: Yeah, I mean, when do you lose the starters? People obviously start to lose interest in a player. Like someone who goes from a defender mid to a pure mid, or a mid forward to a pure mid. They, their um, value for, for coaches instantly drops down. But I think a lot of these players are still going to have value. A lot a lot of them actually due to the fact that we have those premium forwards that have come through as well. But just due to the fact that some of them are going to be priced so low that like Phillips is going to come in at or near a base price across the formats. Yeah. Lockie Hunter might be moving to a wing role with Melbourne. You can see him increase his scoring. Lockie Ash with the departure of Taranto and, and Hopper, he might be set for more midfield time. I mean, we've got to be very cautious to just discount these players because they've lost epp they could still be extremely relevant players and present you know big value for us in the midfield
0: i think sometimes it's a good thing too for a player to lose a status where they become instantly uh oh how do i not pick them to now it's like well now so craftier coaches it can pay off for us
2: yeah exactly they go from players that you would instantly pick to players that you know, you have to think about and, and the better coaches will say, right, well, I still think this player can present 15 to 20 points of upside. They're going to generate enough cash over the first few weeks. I think I want to pick them over, say, a forward rookie that might do the same thing, but maybe at a slower rate.
0: Yeah. No, it's, it's a good shout. Uh, I agree with that in terms of like some of the rookies, that you might be considering no surprise Uh, Will Ashcroft is a midfielder only it wouldn't shock me to see him pick up an eligibility of a position during the season Um, but he also might get squeezed out to wing I'm sure we'll talk about him lots during the preseason but fully expect him to have the same level of hype and expectation that people did around Nick Dacos in 2022 it it almost feels like this foregone conclusion that he holds that Humphrey and Philippou both having mid forward is very very um, very interesting for coaches um, to consider and the full list of the AFL draft we've listed them for you at coachespanel.tv so if you're not sure uh, where your player that got from your club uh, picked up a position we've listed for you at coachespanel.tv louis let's talk about the rucks i feel like this is a position that we're going to spend a lot of time talking about in 2023 because it doesn't feel like the prominence of these dominant rucks of the Gorn and Grundy's, the Sanderlands, the Cox, even the Goldstein at some point in time in his career, it does feel very different. Probably the biggest note that's worth talking about is one guy that people thought might not hold ruck forward status in Darcy Cameron has, and someone that people thought would hold ruck forward status in Rowan Marshall hasn't. He's just a ruck only as is Tim English it's going to be fascinating to see what coaches do in their starting squads with this ruck line this year, isn't it?
1: And it has been every year for the last two or three years, coaches Mm. just scratch their head over what's going on in this line. And and you're right. um, It's probably not for a few years that we've truly had Gondi, and obviously even longer Mm. since we have had those super established gun rucks that we were able to pick every single year. There's, There's a little bit of a changing of the guard happening at the moment. Uh, Cameron was certainly one that did put his hand up during the year when he got that mm. uh, full-time ruck role uh, with no Grundy. Obviously, he's not at the pies anymore, so he has to be one that uh, we got to keep massive tabs on. If he's got that sole ruck role, what he was able to do in the second half of the season um, in contrast to the first half of the season, he's mm-hmm. automatically got 10, 15, 20 points of value built into his scoring. Uh, So he's someone that in an area of uncertainty that we certainly have to keep an eye on Uh, Rowan Marshall is interesting. I think Mm. Um, certainly prior to the uh, Max King news was probably a player that um, most coaches or certainly a lot of coaches would have had penciled in, in their ruck lines already, just based Mm. on what he has been able to do when he has had a solo ruck role uh, obviously, with retired, uh, with Ryder retiring uh, in the off-season, he's just shot into relevance. And mm. uh, who knows, Max King might not even affect that, and he may sure. still play that full-time ruck role. So he's another we'll have to keep a massive eye on. English, obviously, we saw uh, what he was able to do. Uh, did start to taper off in the back end of the season, uh, whether or not that was because his body was just letting him down a little bit. I know he did have a bit of a... Bit of a niggle at times, uh, but he's someone who's probably um, putting his hand up the most to say, Hey, uh, I could be the next 105, 110 Ruckman that you can rely on every single week. Uh, and then um, going back from that, you do have your usual suspects like your Riley O'Brien's, your, your Todd Goldstein's, your Jared yeah. Witts that, uh, even though they aren't attractive fantasy players, they certainly have sort of carved out um, a niche sort of area in that ruck role where they are super reliable for a certain score and in Mm -hmm. the right conditions can pop one. But um, obviously they're probably not the guys that you want to be relying on week to week. So the, the ruck line is going to be once again, probably one of the more interesting lines that we discuss this preseason and probably one of the more interesting lines that we have to manage throughout this season. And, uh, obviously, Gorn and Grundy playing together is uh, a big part of that because Absolutely. we just don't know um, what's going to transpire from that. Does Gorn play uh, you know, the 70 30 split with Grundy? Probably not, yeah. but it's hard to say as well. We don't know if uh, Grundy's going to take the ruck reins and he does have value at 94, priced at 94 um but if he's going to be playing you know 50 percent forward 50 percent ruck where does that lie new teams well uh there's always that cohesion that some players seem to lack when they do come into a side for their first season so um yeah there's, there's a lot to play out there yeah it's a good shout go mini yeah i was just thinking that it might not be that Rockman are going to
2: increase in their scoring but some of them might come down and that might change the perceptions of value like You've got Gorn, who was the highest averaging Ruck last year, now going to be sharing with Grundy. Could that knock him down a bit? English, relatively unaffected. And then there's a the big bunch of Ruckmen. You've got Riley O'Brien, you've got Brody Grundy, Rowan Marshall, Jared Witts. They're all in a relatively similar tier to each other. It might just be hmm. picking which Ruckmen aren't going to decrease in their output and, and actually may be able to kind of maintain value and still stay a premium as opposed to which are going to break out and gain 10 to 15 points they their scoring from the previous year.
0: Yeah. And, and it's all about then looking for the value in it too. So we'll talk about the forward lines in, in a moment. Potentially you might go real heavy because of the top line forward options that you've got to go. You know what? There is no obvious Ruckman that I feel confident in that are, are worth spending big dollars on. So I'm just going to chase minimal and moderate value and not worry about, do I get the R1 or R2 right now in my starting squad? I'll get a And I'll use a name sparingly here, a Toby Nankervis, for example, who can match the scoring with them, but won't match the price tag of that top end. Am I happy to sit in that back pace, like Mini Monk said, and just be close enough? Or do you go full value, like a Ned Reeves style type and go, right, I'm actually just running breakout options through here just to see. So all of these are viable strategies. It all depends on what you do with your other positions that ultimately inform those other spots. Um, let's talk about those forward lines. Some thought we'd be really pillaged with options. Not only have we gained some significant ones, we've probably arguably held some that I think people thought we would lose. There was a lot of speculation we'd lose Josh Dunkley. He has held his mid-forward status. As to as Connor Rosie, he has held that. I don't think people should be surprised. Tim Taranto... Um, is a mid-forward. Same it as Zach Butters, he's retained that mid-forward. And then the other that I don't think people should be surprised, but there is a little bit amongst the fantasy community, Steven Cornelio. A lot of time forward in the year, a lot of time mid in the back half of the year. So arguably Mini Monk, we could have, even just there, those five names alone, let alone anybody else, there's, you know, maybe that's elevating Butters a little higher than we ought to, but There's definitely a very, very 105 to 115 territory mid-forwards that we've got available to us.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it dominated the talk when the positions came out. Wow, Dunkley, Taranto, Rosie are all forwards. They're all going to be value coming into next season. How do we fit them all into our structure? And to me, I feel like Butters and Cogs have been left a little bit to the wayside in that discussion. I still think they present a bit of value as well based on their performance, you know, during the 2022 season and where they're going to be priced. But the question is going to be, how can you fit all of these premiums into our squad? Like, and which ones are the ones to go for? Do you go for a Dunkley that's the highest priced forward by mile just because he's, you know, going to be going, as we hope, into the midfield as Brisbane is mm. going to become you know, go from a 50-50 split to hopefully more of a 70-30 split, does that present five to 10 points of upside as well as a captaincy option? Yeah. Do we go for the Tim the Taranto who's moving to a new club, new system? Is he going to be able to bump that, you know, 90-95 average up to 100-105 and, and be a core member of that return midfield? Or do we go with Rosie who showed it in the second half of the season where he was constantly pushing that 100 marker and, and comes in significantly discounted on that?
1: and then where does that
2: fit in terms of the balance of your starting squad as well right. is there a structure that, that works for you where you go right i need to have all three of those as premium forwards and i'm running three rookies or are those are there some mid prices in the forward line that that you need to start and you need to try and squeeze your rookies in elsewhere is it a year where you start you know dpp mid forward rookies in your midfield in order to maximize on the number of mid prices and premiums you can stack in your forward line to start the season but That's these are discussions fun. that yeah
0: yeah, well, it, it's right. We, we've got these likely clear top-ended guys. Then we've got some uncertainty in the Ruck division. Uh, you look at the backs and you go, yeah, man, I feel like there's four or five that should be right up there. And then, well, I don't know. And then there's always some kind of burn and churn over in our top 10 midfielders that roll through there. So, Monk, I can see some really different structures this year because of how heavy-handed we are in our forward premiums.
2: Yeah, and, and I mean, the argument can be, right, do I need to start one of them? Do I need to start two of them? Or do I need to start all three? And what do I need to start four even? Which should yeah. be very out there, but how do you compromise that in your structure? Do you have to take an extra midfield premium out? Or do you have to run a mid-price or a rookie in your rock line if that forms out? I mean, if this is going to really dictate a lot of the preseason season tinkering that, that coaches are going to do for their teams because it's going to be a question of which ones of these do I want to start in the preseason or in the season? And how do I adjust my squad in order to be able to fit the ones that I want into it?
0: Mm, no, it's a good shout. And again, knowing full well, there'll be at least one or two very relevant options that pop through during the year. I think Louis touched on it before around the Rucks. What happens if Max Scorn picks up forward status and especially in super coach format with his hitouts to advantage as his ability to impact the game? What could that do to change the game up? We listed seven or eight names that Bailey Smith was close, that Bond has always been around the marker of being a mid-forward Christian Petrarca. is another that has always been speculated to be there and thereabouts. So what you don't want to do is go so deep into a format that you're like, man, I've got no room for the likely value gains that pop during the year. So it'll be fascinating to see. And, and Louis, before we – I'll come back to Minimark to talk about two very value options across the formats I'm, I'm keen to look at. What does it mean, Louis, for, for these names that I think would have been around the market had we not got Rosie, had Dunkley, had Cornelio, had Taranto, had Butters, all not held it, even if we'd only had one or two? These are some names that probably would have been in people's premium view. Are they now drifting away that are still valuable and relevant? I'm specifically thinking of Dylan Moore, Isaac Heaney, Errol Goulden as a potential breakout. And even to a lesser extent, maybe more super coach potentially in Shai Bolton. All these guys that were being looked at a week or two ago and have very quickly moved into the background.
1: Yeah, these guys have drifted out uh, with the new DPP additions. Uh, And they they were guys that we were speaking about because in years previous, uh, the forward lines, uh, even though they've been pretty good to us, there has been Mm. an element of having to pick that breakout candidate. So last year, a lot of people jumped on a butters to start, for example. And it was more of a, this guy's shown a bit, let's see if he can improve 5, 10 points and then it'll be a good pick. Um, that's what we probably were thinking anyway. A couple of weeks ago, with Bolton Heaney, if he gets more midtime, certainly a more uh, if mm. he is going to have that role. Goulden, obviously, breakout candidate if he can jump from there. Um, they're still super relevant, and if you were keen on these guys before, there's no reason why you shouldn't be now. So if you thought a more can jump up 10 points based on his average, then no worries, back yourself in. But um the the harsh reality of it I suppose is that these guys with Taranto, Cogs, Rosie, Hmm. Dunkley um uh almost well they're not locks they're far from it but they're there's such an obvious pick for uh players that you'd be confident in saying okay I think this this player is going to finish top six in their line uh and I'd, I'd say you probably wouldn't be wrong with that which is why that these players are being pushed back a little bit in favour of players that you can almost bank on um, aren't going to burn you uh, too much if it does go wrong because um, not only are they guns, they're also going to be high in ownership across the competition, whereas yeah, somebody that, like a, that's true. a Moore, Heaney, certainly a Goulden and probably Bolton as well, um, they're going to be in those low percentages of ownership where they can burn you uh, if they go wrong. And But on the flip side, they can actually catapult you right up into contention real early on in the season if they do pop uh, because people are obviously going to be making other changes across their ground with be it rookies or injuries or made a mistake here uh, slight restructuring which we spoke about last year MJ first Mm -hmm. couple of rounds very important to do that if you've messed up Um, but yeah I I wouldn't be putting a line through those names uh, just yet certainly not Dylan Moore either I've probably got him above Butters in that top five that uh, we spoke about off the top.
0: Yeah, and I think he's a really good example of a uh, Butters we know is certainly throws himself as a bullet at a gate, but isn't a prime midfielder. Um, he's a mid forward hybrid type. And then we've got a Jason Horn Francis, who is mid forward, coming into that mix, whereas Dylan Moore, still a very light and young and inexperienced Hawthorne midfield. So, and then you put in a Canelio and a Taranto, who are both coming into teams that aren't hugely possession dominant. Now, that's speculative based on what. Adam Kingsley has done as a supporting coach at Richmond, but you could probably say the narrative of if you come out of the Richmond system recently as a coach or an assistant coach is you're not the most fantasy-friendly style of games. So that would be the way you kind of talk yourself into a Dylan Morris it? you go, Taranto should still be good, but he might not be a 115, 110 guy. He might just be a 100 guy. Cornelio, he might still be good, but he might be a 95 to 100 guy, not a 105, 110 guy. Whereas I think Moore could be a 105 guy based on the mid. So you're right. You don't just want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But again, back to Mini Monk's point, this opens up now guys that might have been obvious to pick. Well, now it might just be a bit more of an astute coach being able to get the benefits of them. Um, Talk to me about two guys, Mini Monk, that have both gained forward status. One, I reckon, caught people off guard in Ben Cunnington. The other I don't think surprised too many, and that is Nat Fife. Both will be significantly discounted in Supercoach and Dream Team coming off minimal games last year. They'll have a little bit of value in AFL Fantasy, but given they give the discount to the highest average of the past two years, they won't be really as valuable options as they could. You throw in these two guys, especially in Supercoach and Dream Team, that almost feel like they pick themselves if they get through the preseason unfit, And it just makes that forward line selection dilemma even more appetising.
2: Oh, it absolutely does. I mean, these are two players that have shown that they can pop a 9,500, potentially even 105 season if they're in the midfield the entire time and they're fit throughout the entire season. Uh, I think for both, there's there's going to be um, interest in their roles through the preseason. I mean, what's going to happen at North with Cunnington? Uh, You know, is he actually going to go in the midfield or are they going to try and develop youth and rebuild that side? And then in Fremantle, is Five going to be the one who goes into the midfield, or is he going to be, you know, a split thirty percent midfield, seventy percent role where he, he pushes off half forward and comes in and chops out every now and then in the midfield? Uh, I mean, they're both preseason watches. They're both players that we should strongly be considering if they they get through the preseason unscathed, especially in SuperCoach and Dream Team. And I think the other one that should be thrown into that mix, even though he, he didn't pick up what that this year, he he had it from last year is is Karen Thomas. I mean, he's yeah. coming in at a comparable price to those two. And he's going to have the same question marks about him at the North Melbourne um, at the club in the midfield. Like, what's going to happen in that midfield mix is, is probably one of the biggest watches in the preseason for mine because yeah. you've got rookies, you've got mid prices, and you've got premiums across, you know, both your midfield and your forward line. And picking the right one that pops in that North Melbourne mid might be, you know, an easy way to to a good rank early on in the season and potentially set you up for the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, it's a really good shout. I I like that. Some other names that have either gained or or retained forward status. Taryn Thomas has already been alluded to. Tom Powell. Um, another one that you could probably throw into that list that Mini Monk has alluded to there. He's a mid-forward for us. Dustin Martin, the ever-forward mid-option. Luke Jackson at uh, Fremantle is a ruck forward. Ben Long picked up forward status, but uh, I'm not super keen, or nor am I advocating for him. Patrick Lipinski and Jade Gresham, probably for draft formats, are some names that are through there. And, and then, Louis, um, there's a, a new recruit to the club that you go to, uh, the hyphen, JHF. I'm keen on your take on him. I, I think a lot of people outside of South Australia are probably just going to forget him because of the value options that Mini Monk's just alluded to, the top-ended premiums that are there. Second-year breakouts don't happen often, but what's your take on a second-year breakout for Jason Horn, Francis, Louis?
1: Oh, look, uh, potentially it's there. I mean, he was a player as an under-18-year-old, was able to come into a men's competition at SA NFL level uh, and let's be frank, he, he dominated. Uh, he was well and truly able to take it up to those bigger bodies, older players, uh, and show them a thing or two. And we saw glimpses of that last year at North Melbourne, albeit uh, pretty briefly. And uh, there were probably reasons surrounding why maybe he wasn't able to reach his potential there sure. in his first year, or what we expected anyway. Um, he comes to port this year... Uh, and he's somebody who will be out there trying to prove people wrong. I mean, he's been uh, raked over the coals, so to speak, in terms of uh, attitude, ability. And I think he'll be coming out to, to prove a point. Uh, so he's someone you really need to keep an eye on. That being said, uh, he is coming to a team that uh, does have a pretty strong established midfield. Obviously, the Brownlow medalist uh, from 2020 to 2021 uh, mm-hmm. Ollie wines connor Rosie is well and truly put his hand up um, as one of the top midfielders at port uh, willem drew always seems to be in that rotation plus he rolled ahead it's like a mm. a Travis spoke um look he's someone who if he gets injected into that midfield right away could be somebody that does catch you off guard and does pop uh, personally i think he'll be um, he'll be a Bit of a slower one to start. He might be pushed into a half-forward flank slash mm-hmm. wing sort of role um, just to find his feet and get started. But he's a player that I wouldn't be surprised at all, um, most likely in the second half of the year, uh, if he can push his numbers up 90, 95, 100, which is where we'd start talking about him as being potentially a top six forward. Um, well, maybe not this year based on the the pedigree that we do have, but sure. somebody who... Um, wouldn't be a bad pick by any means and could certainly be somebody that does slide in your drafts and that you can pick up and be super reliable player for you.
0: Yeah. It's not a bad shout. Uh, Let's talk about the AFL fixture. That's also come out uh, officially just in the past, well, 24 hours at time of recording for us as a podcast. And uh, probably the thing that caught people most by surprise was it's not the three week, six, six, bias split it. Actually, if anything, it's back to what we had four or five years ago, which was four rounds um, of multi-buys, and uh, one of them, just the two teams off. So from rounds 12 through to round 15, you have all 18 teams off on the buy. It is a split of four teams off in round 12, two in round 13, six in round 14, and then six in round 15. Mini Monk, you look at that straight up with round 13 with Geelong and the Gold Coast Suns being the only team off there. Again, we don't know what the, the buy rules will be in that round. Is it still best 18? Is it 22 and cop it on the chin if you've got guys in? So we don't know that just yet. The formats haven't announced. But early logic does make you look at those Gold Coast and Geelong premiums and start to think, okay, the Millers, the Andersons, the Stuarts, the Duncans these guys could be very, very relevant for us in 2023.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like, if you're going to be wanting to have these players in at at some point in the season and you're going to be playing best 22 or best 18 in a week where they're on their bye, I mean, they just have absolute value. now. They just become – they skyrocket up draft boards. They skyrocket up classic boards. Top-end players like Sinclair and Steele where they're absolutely right at the top of their line. Duncan's not far off. Stewart's not far off either. It just becomes, you know, more important to pick these players up either as your starting picks or, or early on in the season. But as you alluded to, it's it's really going to depend on what rules the formats come into with these buyers. Like if we're playing best 18 through them, it's absolutely gangbusters, go for them straight away. Totally. If it's best 22 for those weeks, it's probably caution, get them straight after their buy. Same with some of the round 12 teams as well. Um They might pick it up somewhere in the middle, but I'm I'm not 100% sure, and I guess we'll find out sometime in the next week or two when when the formats start to drop.
0: Yeah, no, it's true. So traditionally, if you are wondering when the formats do really open, uh, based off last year, AFL Fantasy were around about a week before Christmas where they opened up the format entirely to everybody. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if they followed through with a very, very similar release time, although the guys at AFL Fantasy have not yet confirmed or denied um, when they'll be opening up the game, super coach and dream team, their assistant coach or gold subscribers get access to team picker, which is basically the format being open without the rules being known, but prices and positions um, and the ability to pick teams. That's pretty similar to about a week before Christmas and then super coach, Mid to late January, Dream Team, very, very similar, um, is how it all kind of works. So it will be interesting. And we've said this a few times throughout the podcast. The positions are great. The fixtures are great. But until you know the trading rules, the um, fixture, how they're going to work through the multi-buy rounds, what your salary cap is, until those final pieces of the puzzle come, it's all you could speculate and plan, but you can't really lock too many things too heavily down. For those of you curious about what the buy rounds in terms of the teams are, we've listed them for you at CoachesPanel.tv and across our socials. But round 12 is Brisbane, Frio, St. Kilda and Sydney. So some big name premium mids, especially um, really hitting there. The Suns and the Cats in round 13. The six teams off in round 14 are the Pies, the Crows, the Bombers, the Hawks, the Demons and the Eagles. Uh, While round 15, it is the Giants port Carlton, North Melbourne, and then the final two teams are the Bulldogs and the Tigers. An article will be coming over the few days uh, ahead from me just looking about how you could kind of make your way through the fixture. All right, all right, lads, before we wrap up this episode, we've got some questions that have landed our way. I want to throw them open to you and see what we go. David Grant's asked a buy-around question, which I think Minnie Monk answered beautifully. Louis, Ian wants to know, are there any players that have lost a DPP or have had a positional change that you're still considering even now?
1: Yeah, probably going back to that line we spoke about pretty in-depth in the rucks. So Tim English and Rowan Marshall, um, who both lost their forward status, I think are still going to be super relevant as ruck-only players and potentially could be the top two rucks that we're looking at in 2023. So... Uh, there's no way I'll be putting a line through them. Um, it hasn't changed my opinion on what they're able to do uh, at all. So uh, those two are probably the the two that stand out the most for me in that respect. Yeah, it's a good shout. Uh, Paul wants to know. Mini Monk will throw this one to you. What's your
0: thought on Isaac Rankin and his role in 2023?
2: I, I don't actually know what his role is going to be. I think that the Crows will probably try and push him through the midfield a little bit and give him a little bit of time in there. But whether that's enough to, to make him relevant as a starting pick in in any any salary cap formats, probably not. But I'd probably be bumping him up my draft boards a bit, especially in a keeper league.
0: Yeah, I think it's a good shot. And especially when you look at those names that we mentioned earlier the, that are sitting at the top of the tree. You know, salary cap format. You need him to pop to be up there. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm in agreement with that. Uh, Daniel wants to know, Louis. Um, new sub rule. It's not just an injury sub. It's a anytime sub, which has basically been what it was last year anyway. But um, what's your concerns or flags or any thoughts you have around the new sub rule?
1: Yeah, my, my main concern with that would be the soft debut. So you yeah. might have two rookies in a team, for example uh both have played very little games one starts as the sub one starts on field they might play two quarters of football sub out for the rookie the the other rookie he comes on plays two quarters of football and essentially you've got two rookies who uh haven't lived up to their full potential through no fault of their own but they've only played half a game of football um and obviously that's going to affect their ability to score higher their cash generation uh if they've kick-started it nice and early and then they get copped with the sub then all of a sudden you've got a cash cow who has just massively stunted on his growth so uh it's going to be just a little added layer of strategy but um at the same time there's just not a lot of control that we have over that so i'm not sure that there's uh there's a whole lot of i wouldn't be stressing too hard about the sub rule it's out of your control and uh and, and that's just it is what it is you can you can be cautious but um at some point i think it will burn um coaches
0: yep oh, i think that's a fair shout all right shane this is a question for all of us lads so here we go shane's got a question who's your first picked in all four lines now it's probably format dependent i know but we'll work our way at the grounds on this one defenders mini monk who's your first defender pick this year
2: uh, I've been leaning into it basically since the end of the 2022
1: season. It's probably Hayden Young. Nice. Uh, Louis, first defender picked. Uh, probably a couple of the rookies. I think uh, they're a bit of a slam dunk with Campbell Chesser and Darcy Wilmot should get games nice and early. So bit
0: yep. of a Chess softball for me. that one.
1: But... <laughs>
0: no, no. I didn't say give us you know your secret sauce. I just said first pick. So I'm with you. Chesser's first pick for me in the back line this year. Mid's Mini Monk. who's your first mid pick this year?
2: I
1: don't think it could be anyone
0: other than Ashcroft. Yeah, it's hard to go past that one, isn't it? All right. Louis, you can't take the easy option, mate. You got to give us
1: something now, man. Yeah, okay. Um, look, I, I think Tom Mitchell was going to present a lot of value. Uh okay. leaving Hawthorne where he was only attending about 40 to 50 percent CBAs. He's usually a higher guy than that. And I think Collingwood will play him, you know, upwards of 75, 80 percent in the midfield. And we know what he's capable of. So I think he's someone who's got a lot of upside in him.
0: Yeah, nice. The, the two words of value and McRae have not been put alongside each other for a very long time. But for me, he's my first pick midfielder in 2023. Uh, Rucks, oh, this could be painful, lads. Have uh, <laughs> you got many <laughs> as your first pick, uh, Ruck?
2: It, it's a very tricky one for the Ruck line to, to, to pick a first pick, especially because you're only, you know, picking three Ruckman. Um, totally. But it probably would be Darcy Cameron, especially after the Rowan Marshall news. I think he presents... 10 to 12 points of upside, and I think some of the top enders come back a bit. So I think he's probably one I'd be going for.
1: Yep, nice, Louis, for you. Yeah, also big on Cameron, but um I've, I've got Tim English just ahead of him. I think he can be a number one guy. You think he'll be the number one? Oh,
0: I oh, could be. I thought you said he will be the number one guy. I was like, oh, that's
1: good. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's just certainly got the potential to be. I mean, we saw him. Uh, go upwards of 110 across a number of weeks early on in the season before he got that hamstring nick. So uh, with another preseason under his belt, no Stefan Martin, Uh, he could be the guy that um, continues on that form.
0: Yeah, it's not bad. I'm just going to pretend the ruck line doesn't exist. I hate that division this year, but if I'm having to pick one, it's probably Rowan Marshall at this point, but it's Shane. It's not with great confidence. Let me tell you that we'll see how we go. And then forwards lads. Maybe it's format-dependent again, but who's your first pick?
2: I think this is another one where you could actually throw it to a lot of different players rather than just one or two, like in the rough totally. line. Um, I, I think it's probably one of those big three forward premiums that we talked about that the game kept their forward status and based off of, you know, end of 22 average compared to where they'll be priced, probably has to be Rosie. Yeah,
1: nice. Louis? Oh, uh, Josh Junkley. Uh, thank yeah. you for paying up for. Nice. Um,
0: outside of AFL Fantasy, Cunnington. Every day of the week. Um, I'm, I think he's going to be an absolute value pick for us this year. Last couple of questions. Uh, Chad wants to know why do we do this to ourselves each year? Great question, Chad. I don't know the answer. Uh, Thomas, this is a question for you, Mini Monk. Are Max and Brody only relevant in Supercoach this year or could they be relevant in all formats still?
2: They could be relevant in all formats. I think Grundy is more relevant than Max is just because mm. I think he's going to be the highest scorer of the two, but they skyrocket into relevance if one or both of them get DPP.
0: Yep. No, I don't mind that shout at all. Uh, Taylor's got a question for you, Louis. It's just two words. Matt Crouch. Any thoughts you'd like to give <laughs> Taylor an answer on Matt Crouch?
1: Oh, geez. Two words. Um, playing two. Jog on.
0: Play on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, full no, Thanks. Uh, He he, he
1: actually might be one of those guys who um, is affected by the sub rule sometimes. Yeah. That's a good shout.
0: No, it's a good call. Uh, I'll give you another question. Yeah. So you're not just stuck with that one. Uh, Tom wants to know, what is the likelihood of Adam Trelaw to pick up TPP during the season?
1: Oh, he was probably one that uh, some people might've been surprised. Didn't pick up that defender status. He played there pretty heavily in the back end of last year. Um, like I said at the top of the show, Bevo tends to be extremely flexible with his players. Um, so even though they do pick up DPP, sometimes they do get watered down a little bit and they don't quite get there. But oh, I think the potential for Trelaw to pick up defender status or forward status is certainly there. Um, losing Josh Dunkley may impact that, though, and he might return into a full-time mid-roll.
0: Yep, yeah, that's a good shout. Last couple of questions, then we are done for this episode. For you, Minimonk. Tom wants to know, is Cunnington a trap? Is he a top 10 forward or is he somewhere in between?
2: I think that they're two very separate questions as to whether he's a trap and whether he's a top 10 forward or not. Okay. If he's at that price in Supercoach and in DT and he's getting midfield clock, I don't think he's a trap. Because at yeah. least he will generate, you know, value. He will generate you coin, and you'll be able to, you know, pump him off at some point in, later on in the season. Whether or not he can be a top ten forward will obviously depend on how much of that midfield block he gets. Um, I don't think he'll push the top ten marker, but I think I he'll push enough where he presents the value to the point where he's definitely not a trap.
0: Yeah, I, I think so too. Trap is always based on you're not paying for him at the price where you're paying for butters or rosie or bolton you're paying for him at the price where he's basically a proven stepping stone if not a slightly inflated cash cow so at that point man there's just no risk for me um and worst case scenario we've got so many trades available to us across formats now you just pivot to the cow you missed or the breakout guy you missed. So to me, I, I don't think he can he can be a trap. And interestingly, too, just before we throw the last question in Louis, at North do have the final buy round of the year. So you're probably not going to hold him up to round 50 anyway, to be fair. But if he keeps holding that. 80 to 90 average in AFL fantasy and dream team, which he's done plenty of times over his career. And he's got multiple hundred plus seasons in super coach. He could just be the last guy you move on from your forward line to get you to a premium given he's got that round 15 by last question. I'll I'll throw it over to you, Louie, and then we're done. Dave wants to know with Richmond, not being super friendly fantasy wise, what can we expect from Hopper and Taranto One more as a forward premium, the other as a potential value pick in the mids. Where do we need to temper
1: or increase our expectations? It's impossible to say, really, because teams every single year roll out slightly different game plans, give different roles to different players and rejig things in general. Uh, I think Hopper is just a 90 guy, is a superb clearance extractor, player. Um, But he doesn't get a lot of outside ball, which sort of throttles what he's able to do from a fantasy perspective. Uh, Tim Taranto is an interesting one. Uh, Obviously, he's fantasy jet. We've seen that pretty much since he started his career. Uh, And he's not a player who's necessarily um, hurts the opposition team. He's very Hmm. much a get ball, see ball, get ball, put it on the boot spreads from contest does get those cheat marks as well, but yep. um, he is not necessarily a damaging player. So he's somebody that I could still see um, being able to punch out a 105-plus average in that Richmond system just because um, a lot of his ball is that quick sort of disposal um, in and under stuff that you don't actually see. And that's probably what the Tigers have been screaming out for for the last one or two years.
0: Yeah, it's a good shout. Um, For what it's worth, um, Hopper averaged 66 last year. He'll get a discount because he only played a handful of games. Um, Now, again, in AFL fantasy, it'll be based off his 2021 year. But there, there could be arguably... 30 to 40 points of value in hopper so certainly draft will be a really nice selection but if you do need and and there's not some cows that dominate for us um, there might be a little bit of value on hopper that's for sure hey lads appreciate your work Louis. as always mate you're an absolute superstar
1: thanks mate Uh, it's good to be back uh with you two talking about the pre-season keen for more
0: yeah and uh
1: mini monk not a bad debut from you mate we might definitely have to have you back man yeah, be glad
2: to jump on uh, uh, at points in the future as well. And cheers for having me.
0: No, you boys will be definitely heard a lot in the entirety of the preseason and of twenty twenty three. So somewhere within the next week or two, the prices will start getting allocated across the formats, and maybe just maybe, whether it's a team picker or the full-blown format of AFL Fantasy, you'll start to be able to start putting some of the pieces of the puzzle together and actually selecting your sides. But really, let's be honest, preseason. when does it really kick off? January 1. That is where the annual 50 Most Relevant gets underway. There'll be an article every single day that we will drop at coachespanel.tv and a accompanying podcast alongside it, where I'll be talking you through who I believe – are the most relevant players for Supercoach, Dream Team, and AFL Fantasy in 2023. You'll be joined by multiple members of the coaches panel and a ton of our friends from the fantasy footy community that are content creators in different fantasy football communities as well. So January 1, the podcast and the articles drop. However, if you become a Patreon for just a couple of bucks a month from our breakout tier and above, you get the podcast a day ahead. So if you've ever wanted to be ahead of the pack, or if you've ever wanted to be ahead of learning something ahead of anybody else, we give you that option for just a couple of bucks a month. Not only is there a bunch of other rewards and content, it certainly helps us out. So join that Patreon supporter group. All the links are in the uh details section of this podcast. But good luck, my friends. The preseason of 2023 is well and truly under the way. And we are so excited for January one where we are talking with you every single day.